And I did that meditation with cops. And then I had everybody look up after that. And there was tears in a lot of people's eyes. And there was some of the guys that just got their heads down. Now, to me, that's, that's taught. That can be taught because it's not really, again, we're not teaching anything. We're just accessing our hearts. We're just accessing their, like, uh, you know, talked about sometimes that cops are humans. They're people. So it's, ah, you can't teach somebody to be loving or compassionate. Or, I, I, I disagree. I say people are loving and compassionate. Let's just let it be okay. Let it be the norm instead of something weird. Hi, I'm Derek Mills. Welcome to the Globe Podcast. This is the third in our series of interviews with first responders who have discovered yoga and breath work. Glow members from around the world who are either in the military, who are first responders, or in various other healthcare roles often write to us to share how Glow helps them support their resilience and cope with incredibly demanding work experiences. They put their lives at risk to serve others. So we wanted to create a series of interviews to learn more about these heroic people, their healing strategies, and their self-care non-negotiables. The series started when I interviewed my friend, the talented Robert Sturman for our podcast. He is known for, among other accomplishments, his images of people serving in the military, first responders, and a variety of other amazing photographs of wonderful people that he's made all over the world. We wanted to explore the sense of compassion and interconnectedness that he visually represents in his photographs. In this episode, I'm in conversation with Eric Milosevic, a police officer that we met through Robert, and we'll include some links to Robert's photographs of Eric in the show notes. Eric is retired now from the police force, and he is a breathwork instructor. When he served in the military, he trained as a sniper. Later, he was accepted into a local police department as an officer out of more than 400 applicants. When he discovered yoga, he started to see policing more through a different lens. He realized that the community he served would benefit from having police officers who were compassionate. Fascinated with yoga and breathwork, Eric began teaching these skills to other police officers. He became deeply interested in the teachings of a breathing instructor named Wim Hof. This journey may inspire you to see the work of police officers and first responders differently. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Eric Milosevic. Hi, Eric. Hello, Derek. Thank you for being here with us today. My pleasure. So we learned about you through our mutual friend, Robert Sturman. And how that came to be was that we, for a while now, have wanted to do a series of conversations with first responders. And after my interview with Robert, we realized, well, why don't we just ask Robert? He did all these amazing photos with first responders. Right. And so briefly, for those not familiar with Robert, he's an incredible photographer who finds deep meaning and connection in photographing people with rich histories and backgrounds including first responders and people in the military service. Uh, you'll see when you look at his photos, they're beautiful and powerful. And I encourage you to check out his work and also my podcast conversation with Robert, which we'll link in the uh, episode show notes. So that's how that came to be. I'm curious, how did you come to know Robert? Yeah, so I was a police officer, uh, had been for, gosh, I don't know, probably 
12 years or so, I'm guessing, right around there. Um, and I was uh, at Santa Monica Police Department, and I was approached by a guy um, who was creating a movie um, called Why Yoga. Yep, I, re- I remember that movie. Yeah, so um, they were looking for people that were kind of, I guess, out of the norm. I mean, uh, to be in the movie, out of the, the, the box of yoga. And somehow, I don't recall how he found me, but he, he found me. Um, and then, I, you know, I was, I was going around at that time and taking classes at, at several of the yoga studios. So it probably wasn't too hard to find me. But um, anyway, he did a interview with me. And the people that were in that movie all had a photo shoot with Robert. Um, so I was lucky enough, really fortunate enough to have a, a, a photo shoot with Robert. Um, and it's really pretty cool. I was in uniform and this is when he was doing his old school work with the, uh, the, um, gosh, what are the Polaroids? And then he, as he would do the Polaroid, then he would smear them and make them look like paintings, which I know you're familiar with, but just if people haven't seen those, they're fascinating. So he did a series of me on the beach in uniform with that. And, and so I, I still have those and I have some of the, they're like some big ones, but I don't know. I, I feel silly putting them up, but I, I, you know, they're like in a closet <laughs> and I really, because they're of me, I think they're silly, but because of Robert's work, I, you know, I privately look at them and, and, and think about really that, that precious time when I, when I met, met him and now, yeah, we have a longstanding relationship. Yeah. That's interesting. I'd probably do the same. Because I would hold them dearly, I'd I'd keep them. But I, right? I, I don't know if I'd want photos of myself like that. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I do have photos of, say, me and my wife getting married. Like, being, but uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, hanging. But yeah, I can see that. Let's go back in time a bit. Okay. I heard you say on another interview that uh, some of this can be traced back to childhood, like martial arts. Your introduction to mm-hmm. martial arts, becoming a black belt. I think you said by the age of 13 and your mom referring to you as a protector. Can you share a bit about that time with us? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, you've clearly done your, your homework. (laughs) Yeah. That was a, that's a pivotal, pivotal time. And I, and I kind of reflected back on that when I was doing a life review in landmark form, but I, you know, without going down that, but anyway, I was older and I looked at my life and, was kind of looking at how did I become a police officer? Like, how did this happen? It was never, you know, like some kids like have this dream or even, you know, as adults, I've talked to these young men and I want to be a police officer and they really are driven. And I didn't really have that. And then suddenly, you know, there I was with my gun and my badge and looking at like, how did this happen? So in, in reflecting on that, I, yeah, I saw that when my, my parents and look, it wasn't, there was no violence really, but just verbal. There was just, they were fighting a lot of times verbally. And I think my mom like threw a cowboy boot at it one time, but they, they would get, but I would get in between them. Uh, and yeah, my mom was like, Oh, my little protector, just my little protector. And, you know, and then I got into martial arts at seven and, and I was on that path of this protector path and really not consciously aware of that. But I, I really liked actually acting and, and performing. And that was like my passion was that. However, my path 
which could be looked at now as like it was my dharma is to protect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that led, you know, you're I'm like doing martial arts and then what do you do? I'm like, um, 18, I'd done like, well, punching, kicking some nunchucks and a few different weapons. And, and then I actually did want to try to do into acting. I went to this passion, but then it, when that wasn't working out in Hollywood, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to fall back on what I do. I'm going into the army. Uh, I can kind of not even realizing I'm going back to my, my path of this protector. And the next thing I know, I've got an M60 machine gun in my hands. It's, you know, I was 21, but it's still young. And I remember like, wow. And the M60, they don't, they've changed them now, but it was like the old Rambo, like that's an M60 with the belts of like, <laughs> and it wasn't that long after Rambo. I'm like, holy smokes, I'm Rambo. <laughs> <It's> M60. <laughs> Right. It was, yeah, it was crazy. And then I became a sniper in the military and just kind of followed that, that warrior path, that uh, protector path. And how many years were you in the military until you transitioned? Uh, I was in for four years, um, active duty, and then four years afterwards. And uh, so I was at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and that's when I became a sniper and a recomp platoon. And very fortunate, never went to combat. You know, I got all the high speed training, but um, really blessed in a sense that I didn't go. It is weird. I do have to say on the flip side of that, it's a very strange thing because just imagine whatever you trained in, whatever it might be, like a football player, and you, you've, you've trained and trained and trained, and then you never have a game. Mm-hmm. And so it's, even though it's just a crazy game, this is the game of life and death. There's still, and I've talked to a lot of other soldiers and that have kind of that same kind of thing, you know? So it's, it's, it's even weird when people ask me, did you go to combat? Have you ever killed anyone? And I'm like, no, which I'm happy about, but there's this weird part of me that's, I mean, look, it's, I'm almost embarrassed to say, but there's a part of me like, yeah, I was there. It was ugly. And I'd crawled through the sludge or whatever. And I, you know, I'd, had to kill a thousand people. Some horrible thing. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but the reality is, I think if that happened to me, I am, I'm kind of a softy. I got a big heart. I don't know. I might be in a petted cell right now. <laughs> I restart, but I really have so much compassion for those soldiers that did go mm. and they're struggling, you know, PTSD and, you know, suicide is the number one killer of soldiers in the military. I mean, you think of all the soldiers that have been killed in Afghanistan and Iraq and all these places, and to know that there's more soldiers that have taken their own life just, you know, breaks my heart. So there's some of the training, some of the things that I do that I, you know, putting out there to to military and, and to law enforcement as well. That is heartbreaking. I really appreciate your framing of your specific experiences. You're in a really helpful position today to be of support to your colleagues. How did you make the transition from military to police? Yes. So when I I got out of the military after four years of being in the military, um, I actually wanted to go back to acting. I was like, okay, I'm going to go, but now I'm going to do it. Now (laughs) I have this experience from the military. I'm going to bring that with me. And then I'm going to go. And at the time I was dating this girl who was a Taekwondo Olympiad and we were going to open up a school together, a martial arts school, but we both wanted to get into acting. It was like, okay, we can have this school um, to kind of support us and we're going to become 
you know, movie stars <laughs> or whatever, pursue that, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I just loved, I loved, I loved acting. I just, and I still do. I just love being actually, being able to step into a character and be some something else, you know? And it's, uh, it's really awesome to be able to do that. So anyway, I, I wanted to do that and the girl and I didn't work out. And I mean, like maybe a, Two weeks into the relationship with her after getting in the military, I was doing shots of tequila and I don't drink. <laughs> so this was bad. And I ended up on my parents' couch curled up in a ball and like, you know, that happened. And then after probably a, a month or so of that, my mom's like, okay, it's time. You got to get off your, you know, get off the couch and do something with your life. <laughs> so I uh, thought, well, I'm just going to do it. You know, I'm going to follow the dream on my own and I guess, you know, so I went up to LA, I found a place in San Pedro and, uh, this, at this gym, San Pedro gym. Uh, and it was, uh, this, um, John Birch owned it and he was an old like wrestler and, and like from the, the old days, like one of the first, you know, WWF, I don't think it was that when he did it, but anyway, he, he owned this gym and he's big burly guy. And, um, they had a racquetball court that they weren't using and it was an old building anyway. So he said, Hey, yeah, you can teach martial arts in here. So I met up with him and then I was looking around, we were, we were looking at the place and upstairs above the racquetball court was a bathroom and a closet. And I looked in the closet and I was like, Hey, can I live in here? And uh, he was looking at me kind of strange and was like, you sure, if you want, go ahead. So I converted this closet, in, you know, and after being in the infantry, right out of the military, there was nothing, you know. I mean, I put a little, I didn't have a bed. I put a pad. I got like a mat, slept on a mat, had a microwave in there, and a hot plate and one of those little refrigerators. Uh, and that's, that's what I did for a year. Um, so I was doing that and I actually had kids, I had students, but most of them were coming from the projects and, and couldn't pay me, but I was letting them come anyway. And, uh, it was an interesting, an interesting time. And then they found out that I was living there. So then some of the kids were just there all the time. I don't, I don't know what they did with their parents, but kids would come in the morning and I was just, you know, it was a, <laughs> filling up my old Mustang with a bunch of kids, taking them to the beach. And it was interesting. They lived in San Pedro, they lived there, but some of them don't even, never got to the beach and just take and hang out with these kids. So it was, I mean, it was okay, but I wasn't making any money. And I thought about, wow, maybe I could be a police officer. And um, my dad had played golf with a lieutenant at Hawthorne Police Department. And uh, the guy said, hey, we're hiring, you know, have your son put in an application um, or, you know, put in. So so I did and I, I got the application and I filled it out. And I remember turning it in, like it was the last day that you could turn it in and it was, you had to turn it in by 5 PM or something. And I was there at like, whatever, 4:45 to turn it in. And I saw that there was like 400 and some people had applied. So I, when I turned it in, I said, wow, this is all the people that applied. She said, yeah. And I went, well, how many people were they hiring? She says, Oh, probably five or six people. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> There's 400 <laughs> some people apply. They're going to hire like five or six. I mean, I just literally made a joke and went about, my day and um the next step was an oral interview and when i went for my oral interview um i was so relaxed because i didn't think i had much of a chance of getting this job and uh so i'm talking there was like four people in the panel three or four people but one of them one from the city and and one of them that really stuck out was uh jim royer was his name he was uh, at the time was on the swat team i didn't know this 
um, until I found this out later, but he was a sniper on the SWAT team for Hawthorne PD. So when he's like, oh, tell us about yourself. Well, I just got out of the army. I was a sniper. And, and like he said, as soon as you said that, later he told me, as soon as you said that, I didn't care anything else about what you, I didn't hear anything else about what you said. You know, I was into him and he wanted me in. So it's, it's weird how sometimes fate, you know, can kind of step in. You never know. And, and you know, to, to push you in a way that maybe you want to go, like I wanted to be an actor and I, but that was, I just kept getting no's to that. The, the universe was like, no. And then I go to this police thing. I'm kind of, you know, not thinking, and then boom, I'm just in. So, yeah. So next thing I know, I'm working for Hawthorne PD. I went to the police academy. And I do want to, I was reflecting, thinking about before and coming on here, and I've already touched on it a little bit, but when I went to the academy and they pinned the badge on me, my dad actually came up, pinned the badge on me, and I looked down at my gun and this badge, and I was like, it was also a, like a, a pinnacle moment. I was looking and I was like, wow, yeah, how did this happen? And then secondly, I was like, well, I don't know what kind of police officer I'm going to be. But I'm gonna I'm gonna treat people right, you know. I'm gonna be a cool cop. I'm gonna be cool with people. I'm gonna treat people good. And what's what I feel good about is <laughs> after 25 years of doing it, I still don't know what kind of police officer I was. <laughs> if I was the, you know, that grade, there's some that maybe said I was, when it wasn't, whatever. But I I do still feel in my heart that I was like, you know what? I treated people right. Um, so I felt good that I, I held that from the moment I went to the academy till I got out when I was at work and dealing with people and I don't care who it was. I mean, look, was there times I get upset with people or whatever? Of course, but I always treated people with respect uh, and honor and compassion. Yeah, that's got to feel good to be able to know that you served for such a long period of time and to know that your heart was always in the right place and that ultimately that you did treat, as you said, people to the extent that, that you could at the time. Right. And yeah, that congratulations. That's what an accomplishment, what an accomplishment. Yeah. That part of it really does feel good. So that's what that felt like when you received your badge and your gun in that moment, I'm going yeah. to be a, a compassionate police officer. Yep. I'm going to treat people right. And, I, and for them, the, I, I don't know what it was, but it was literally, I'm going to be cool. <laughs> I'm gonna be, so wait, and I, I get it's interesting is there was an, I ended up, there was a, a kid, um, his name's Gabriel, GA, and he you know, ended up being a, uh, working at the Police Activities League for a while. And um, this kid ended up, he, I found out he was sleeping in the garage of his, um, some relatives, and they didn't really want him there. And Anyway, the bottom line, he ended up sleeping on my couch and staying with me um, for a little over a year. And, and he, was, he was a good kid, just a lot of struggles in life. Um, but he, he was friends with some of the gang members, but he was never a gang member. And, but, he, you know, he hung out. He talked to them. He was from some of the neighborhood, same neighborhoods. And they were like, yeah, he, he told me this more than on one occasion. He goes, yeah, talk to these guys. They say, yeah, you know. If I ever get arrested, I'd want it to be Milo that arrested me. Um, my last name's uh, Milosevic, and so it's Milo. I got called up Milo, Officer Milo, all the time. Um, you know, he's cool. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm cool with the gang members, and I, you know, I, I guess I'm uh, I'm living into my <laughs> what I said I would do. Hmm. That's powerful. Uh, there are so many threads I could pull on <laughs> from 
based on what you just shared, but let's go in the direction of your first yoga class. Do you remember your first time taking a yoga class? I do. When was that and and what was that like? Early 2000s, maybe 2003 or somewhere in there. Uh, And I was doing a lot of Krav Maga, Israeli martial arts, um, because that's what we learned for the police department. And I taught that to law enforcement. So I was doing a lot of that. I've been done, you know, Taekwondo in the military, then Krav Maga. And it's really hard on your body though. It's like, you know, I mean, I've definitely beat up myself more than I've beat up anybody else in, in martial arts in general. But anyway, I was doing a lot of that, but I, you know, I worked Santa Monica. So I'm working patrol and I'm seeing lines of yogis. Uh, I remember for like Brian Kess class, it would be like people with their yoga mats, like lined up down the block. I'm like, wow, what? That's, that's something really going on with that yoga. Uh, and so one time I went to Kramaga uh, and they actually had a guy teaching yoga. I feel bad because I don't remember his name, but they had a, a yoga class going on at Kramaga. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to just, I'm going to try it out. I'm going to see what it's about. So I go into this class um, and, you know, and reflecting too, I've done quite a bit of yoga at this point and this guy was great. He was really a good teacher. So we, we get in there and we're doing yoga and I'm wow. Like, I mean, halfway into the class, I'm like, Oh, I like this. It was so healing. So feeling, I mean, martial arts, other stuff that it was, it was never about that. It's like, you're warming up to whatever you're warm to throw strikes and hit. And, you know, you're working to basically to hurt, to maim someone else, you know, it's all about this fight. And suddenly I'm in there just working on healing myself, <laughs> stretching. And, and it did, I did kind of remind me of when I was a little kid, I did Taekwondo and there was a lot more stretching in Taekwondo than Kramaga because there was a lot of high kicks and stuff. So we did some stretching and things. So, Anyway, I left there and I was like, okay, you know, I'm, this is now uh, a part of my life from the first class. Uh, and then I, I became a, one of my first instructors was uh, Govindas. At the time, he was Ira and he was new. And I would go and really I took it. The reason I went there is because he, uh, his class times worked with my schedule. That was pretty much the reason. But I really did. I liked him, you know, it was just at the time he was, he was fairly new into it. He was just this surfer guy with this really laid back attitude. And um, yeah, I really, to this day, I had some profound classes, even like in Shavasana, like leaving my body in Shavasana um, and coming back. So <laughs> pretty awesome. So your first class was roughly 2003 and then you retired from the police force when? 2000 uh yeah when was that 17 oh so quite a while yes i was a police officer doing yoga for quite some some time on 2009 i actually became uh uh, an instructor i i went to a 200 hour instructor program dodge yeah i'm so curious i'm so curious two things how did your colleagues interpret that and secondly did how you operated as a policeman change in any way? So my colleagues, it was interesting. You know, the, the thing is, is that um, I taught Karam Maga. So I was teaching them how, you know, and at the time from Taekwondo and different things, look, I'm not the, the most badass guy. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, but I did martial arts my whole life. I did Taekwondo, you know, since I was seven. So when, we, when I was teaching, we were kicking pads or whatever. Or, you know, I rocked the pad hard. I punched hard. I... You know, I was I was a warrior, so I'm teaching them that. So I think that gave me a little credibility 
in regards to, oh yeah, I'm doing this, I'm breathing, I'm stretching, I'm doing, you know, yoga, but don't get it twisted. I'm the guy that teaches you how to, you know, kick. <laughs> so it was kind of like, you know, they were, they were cautious to say much. <laughs> uh, and, and in regards to, did it, did it change my, um, I'm sure it did. I think, you know, who, it's hard to tell, yeah. you know, who knows if I wouldn't have, but I, it definitely helped me like this internally when I was, um, I'm, yeah, I actually, I was just just thinking the other day. I'm I'm actually I'm writing a book now too, but I'm not. I won't get too far into that. But I was lo- looking at something when I first started doing some breathing that I took from yoga and found myself in a situation in law enforcement. I was like, oh, I'm going to practice that breath, uh, and it was really um, square breathing. Um, and I was actually in one of Govin Das's classes when he was doing it. I recall being there on the mat and holding a pose for a long time. And, and with my like ADD, I'm okay. If we're flowing, I'm good. But you get me to have to hold a pose for a long time. And that <laughs> monkey mind that we you know, know of starts racing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what rated this, this program is, but I was dropping some F-bombs <laughs> internally, you know. Yeah. Just, Can we just go to the next F and pose? And run? Like there's all this stuff in my mind is just running crazy. And then I remember Govadas is like, just go to your breathing. Just, you know, inhale for four, hold. And he started doing like this square breathing thing with us. And I fell into it and I was like, wow. All of a sudden I could tell my mind, the monkey mind slowed down. My heart rate slowed down. I just was deep into the pose. I just kept focusing on the breath, my ujjayi breathing in and out and holding. And I was like, this is freaking incredible. So I did that on the mat. And then fast forward, and I don't remember exactly, maybe a week, maybe a month later, I'm, I'm at SWAT training, and I'm standing there ready to hit the metal target. It's a lot of peer pressure, and they're going down the line, and my, my mind starts racing again, you know? And then internally now is don't mess up. Don't miss these targets. Don't look stupid. Don't, you know, you better hit. You better do well. Like, all this stuff. I'm like, oh, shut up. So then I was like, oh, that breath. So I just inhale for four, hold exhale and i just started focusing on my breath and and i probably i don't know i probably got 10 rounds in before they they tapped me on the shoulder and just boom and i came up and ding 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 and i shot really well and that was like a real aha moment mm. of like oh this some of this breathing stuff really can help in other situations um, and i and i work narcotics as well undercover narcotics and time i would get really stressed and I would be like, okay, man, go to this breathing, go to my breath. Um, so yes, <laughs> the answer I at first was like, I don't know. And now I'm reflecting on it. Yes, it changed. It changed me. It, it, it mellowed me out. It, it, it gave me access to relax, to be able to calm myself down in stressful moments. And there's a lot of them in law enforcement, as you could imagine. Did you find that your self-awareness practices helped with directing or redirecting the energy of your emotions and also in the moment of of an intense situation helped you navigate that better right right stories i don't want to tell <laughs> no, i guess as, yes as you're saying that there's different things that are actually oh maybe that maybe that i mean the squad training for one some of the narcotic stuff two dealing with people on the streets there's been you know certain situations that um uh, I struggled with and 
that the breath definitely helped me to keep myself in control. You know, I mean, law enforcement is supposed to go out there and control situations. But first of all, we're going to be in control of ourselves. And I've seen officers show up. They're not in control of themselves. And now they're trying to control the situation. Uh, that's that's uh, a recipe for bad, bad, <laughs> bad, bad stuff's going to happen, unfortunately. So then when you came out of law enforcement, you created a program that was designed to teach mindful breathing to law enforcement officers. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. I created a program called uh, mindful breathing and the art of keeping the peace. Um, and really that came about because as I was getting out of the military, I'm sorry, when I was getting out of the police department, um, I was looking at different like meditation pr- uh, that was out there and breathing different. And I, and I went to the art of living, which I'm not familiar with that, but it's a, a program in Los Angeles. It's kind of, it, it, that, it is guru based and, but they, they do uh, breathing techniques. And I went through that and so anyway, I was searching, I was searching for, for more breathing techniques and different things that I could apply to law enforcement. When I met this guy from uh, Arizona PD, he was a SWAT guy from Arizona PD and we were doing some cross training with them. And, and I was telling him about the art of living, but he was the, the first cop that I had met at the time that was talking about breathing. Um, but he started telling me about um, Wim Hof. And I was like, Wim Hof. And at the time, I didn't know who's, you know, who's Wim Hof. So anyway, so I went home, Googled Wim Hof and all kinds of stuff comes up. And at the time, there wasn't as much information out there. Um, this was 2017. This wasn't as much information out there about Wim Hof. It was still fairly new and still is um really but it's exploding uh more and more people are finding out what he's doing and and the method so anyway so i i went down that road which is and it's the method is uh three parts so it's deep breathing cold exposure and focus and commitment you know the focus commitment thing is is one so uh i did it online and i'm doing this deep breathing exercises and there was a 10-week online program i signed up right away uh, and I was having profound results fairly soon into it, like right away, actually. I mean, I, I may have cried the first time I did the breath work. Um, I'm just having these emotional releases. Uh, it, was, it was really profound and powerful. Um, so then I went to an advanced program um, for the Wim Hof program. And Wim Hof came to Beverly Hills. And, you had, you know, I was there. And you had gone through the 10-week online program. So I did that, um, and I'd taken cold showers, but at the time I had done ice baths, and they had people get in the ice baths, and that was my first ice bath experience, and I was kind of like, oh, shit, like, that was pretty intimidating to me, and I got in, and it wasn't pretty. I mean, the ice pretty much, I mean, I did it, you yeah, was supposed to be in there for 90 seconds, but most of the 90 seconds, I was like, oh, 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 oh. It, was, it wasn't pretty, you know, and I saw other guys just like killing it, just mouth closed, breathing through their nose, and so I got out and I was like, okay, I think I've peaked. <laughs> I think that's good. It's good stuff. Uh, I think I'm out. But uh, then what happened is I went to my 25-year reunion as a, a graduating from the police academy. Uh, and there was a, a girl there, Cynthia Renault, who, Renault, I'm sorry, who I, I hadn't seen her since the academy. And we're talking. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting ready to retire and blah, blah, blah. I'm doing this. I'm doing this Wim Hof thing. And, and she was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. She goes, that sounds like it'd be good for officers. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think it would. Um, 
And then, and then I'm like, so what are you, what are you up to? What are you doing? She goes, Oh, I'm the chief of police in Folsom police department. And I was like, Oh man, like she didn't come up with that air at all. And I just, oh, you're the chief. I'm like, wow, it's good for you. That's amazing. So then she says, well, if you go through the Wim Hof thing and you become an instructor, you can teach it at Folsom mm. to my guys. And so then it's, there's, there goes that path thing again. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. I guess I'm not done. I guess I better man up on these ice baths. <laughs> so uh, I bought a freezer. So that's a common thing with, you know, Wim Hof versus like you buy a, a meat freezer and silicone, uh, the freezer and put water in there and plug it in and it starts to freeze up. And so I started doing daily ice baths and I started hiking cause I know we're going to go up to some high elevations. Uh, that's one thing Wim Hof has some different records for, he like, like went up Mount Everest and nothing but a uh, pair of shorts, not even any shoes or slippers, I think actually, but a lot of times he's barefoot and climbing. So anyway, I was preparing for all of that um, and doing the breath work on a regular basis and, um, so then I go to Colorado or at Estes Park, 13,000 feet, and we're doing the breath and getting in the cold water and doing all that stuff. And it was really profound. It was a profound experience. And, and what I really loved about Wim Hof was his heart. He's just, he's got a heart of gold. And he's got this amazing spirit. Um, one of my friends that referred to him as a clown guru, she met him, Jillian Jillian Coogan, who's a yoga instructor, she's like, you know, she'd heard of different gurus and he's like a clown guru because he's clowning around constantly. He's always making jokes and he's playing the guitar and he's singing. And he is a profound yogi, first of all, too. I mean, he started doing yoga when he was a kid from books and he's gone to India and he's, he speaks and writes Sanskrit. I mean, this guy's he's deep. He doesn't talk a lot about his yoga. So, uh, you know, I'm putting him out there, but um that's where all this comes from. That's that's what's profound to me too. Is there's a lot of like breathwork is suddenly like there's all these teachers of breathwork, and they're and a lot of them aren't necessarily yogis, and they're like, oh, breathwork, you know, look what we discovered. <laughs> I'm like, dude, come on, man, give credit where credit is due. Pranayama has been around for thousands of years. These cats have been mastering and mastered the breath, and I feel like some of these. Some of the breathwork stuff that's out there now is just really scratching the surface on the pranayama, but they're, they're nowhere near where these yogis were. You know, I wish I could go back a thousand years or whatever and learn from those, the, 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 the real masters. Um, so anyway, I'd always love to give credit where credit is due in, um, in the pranayama. So, um, so anyway, I digress, but I, or I get off on this tangent, but I start, I go through the instructor's program. I come back and I'm like, yes, I'm going to teach the cops. I'm going to go to Folsom PD and then we're going to, we're going to do this. And they were reluctant because of the ice. They were like, Oh, Whoa, wait, we can't have our guys getting in the ice. And I was like, no, yeah, come on. Are you kidding me? It's, but they weren't kidding me. So I had to come up with something else. So they did the breath. So I did the Wim Hof breathing, but I also started, you know, it wasn't the only I've done a lot of other breathing techniques already. You know, I talk about the square breathing and I, another guy, Dan Brule, uh, who's a breath coach had really put, and he's a yogi, but put together like the square breathing with circular breathing and called it combat breathing. So I taught seven different breathing modalities. Uh, and I kind of backdoored these officers in a way. Cause one, I mean, I taught Karamaga martial arts my pretty much my whole life. So I taught them also how to breathe like breathing while striking. Um, and Kia, like a martial arts, like the Kia, the Prana. Um, and what was interesting is when I really started studying the breath, I'd done Kia since I was seven, but I had never really dove into it. They just kind of tell, okay, yell when you strike, you know, and, uh, and you feel it a little bit, uh, try to break the board, uh, 
But then when I really like dove into it and just like just boom, sorry, just blew, sorry if I just blew somebody's ears out, but just boom, you like learn how to move this energy through us. We have this this life force energy, the breath. Again, prana in yoga and chi and typically in martial arts. It's that same energy. And how how do we use it? I mean, can you use it to heal or kill, to be honest? And to be that really the, the power comes in is being in control of it and not letting it be in control of you. And that is the beauty of, you know, the breath work is that you can bring yourself down. And if need be, you can bring yourself up that you are in charge. And do you work with people who are transitioning out of whether it be military or law enforcement? And are you working with people who you know, are working through PTSD and trauma? Not specifically or direct, or in, indirectly, yes, because I've given Wim Hof workshops and people have come through that have been in the military. Um, I remember one guy, well, two things. One, I, I went to uh, San Antonio and worked with the pararescue unit down there. Uh, and I was with a guy named Casper, who's amazing. He's the number one Wim Hof instructor. And I went with him. I was really assisting him in the program. Uh, and we did some deep breathing with those guys. And these guys are amazing soldiers and these are the trainers these are the guys that parachute in to rescue down pilots the pararescue guys and we were doing the deep breathing at at the end of four days and we could we were telling them you know go for it go for it and initially when you're training military special like special force units or tough guys if you tell them get in the ice boom they're in the ice if you're breathing they're um but it was really interesting they were breathing really hard but all of a sudden they stopped you know, one by one, we're keep going, breathe, breathe, breathe. They're all laying down, breathing. They all kind of stopped on their own. And then when they finally set up at the end, they all had tears in their eyes. And then one of them was like, we had this moment of silence. And it's like, this could be really good for PTSD, which truly, truly it is. Um, I feel as well. I, um, so I, I would love to see a shift in law enforcement and military to where, look, there's different ways to breathe. When you're in combat and you're breathing in and out through your nose and you're searching a room and you're, you've got to stay focused and you see some horrendous stuff, it's obviously not the time to break down. you got to man up. you got to continue on and drive on, right, to get to the end. But then when you come back after seeing all these horrific things, dealing with all this horrific stuff, to be able to get into a safe place and then gather and breathe and do some deep breathing to intentionally connect to yourself those deep emotions and then allow yourself to cry to feel these human emotions to release because what you know what what we're seeing i mean this is these guys are sticking their guns in their mouth because they don't know how to get it out they don't know how to deal with the demons inside of themselves and really the breath is a is a great great way um i i was also teaching another program with um trisha smith who's a Another profound, I've been very fortunate again, just to, uh, she was in California, she lives in California and she was doing, um, and I was a new instructor and she invited me to, to assist on several of her programs. And she's one of, if not the top instructor of instructors for Wim Hof. So anyway, I went with her and it was an advanced class and there was a guy and everyone, you know, does their intros in the class. And, and there was one guy that, yeah, I'm going to college at, you know, UCLA for sports physiology, blah, 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 blah. Anyway. We get down to the end and he's doing some deep breathing. We're all, you know, like breathe, you know, and they're all breathing. 
Um, and some people had emotional releases. And it's not all about that, right? I mean, it's you know, maybe 10% of the people have an emotional release uh, when you're doing a course. Uh, but anyway, he came up to me afterwards, but he knew my background, that I was law enforcement, military. He comes up to me and he's kind of looking around. And then he says, hey, look, he goes, I didn't tell anybody. I don't like to boast about it or really talk about it, but I was a Navy SEAL. And he goes, I'm telling you that because just now I was doing the breathing. I was doing the breathing and I really wanted to have a release. I, I was going for it. And I was breathing and I felt it. I felt this emotion coming up into my heart. And then all of a sudden this little voice inside my head said, suck it up, suck it up. And it just, you know, and I pushed it down. He's like, oh, he was like frustrated. Um, and it was like, you know, just it'll come like, you know, just it, it's, it's a practice. A lot of we talked about the you know this this ideal man don't cry, you know, and it's not just military or law enforcement. It's a, a lot of men were raised that way, and we're carrying around this stuff. Not uh, don't don't show your emotions, don't let it out. When really it's so healing, it's so healing to allow that to happen to to let that guard down. Hmm. That's why I asked you that question. I was curious because of your background, if you have greater access or you have more of a, you're able to connect more easily and more deeply with, with people who are maybe in that moment of not knowing how to access certain emotions that, uh, you know, are likely part of the path to healing. Right. I'm curious about the second part to the title of your program, mindful breathing and the art of keeping the peace. What is the art of keeping the peace? Right. So I, I really, when I was working with this, this title, I mean, the mindful breathing is, is that, right? We're breathing mindfully. It gets us in the present moment. And then the art of keeping the peace is not everything always works, right? You may try. There's some communication skills. I took a course called Strategies, Communication Dealing with Difficult People. Some amazing, actually some great stuff. It doesn't always work. You're telling the guy this, but who knows? He's high on crack or whatever, and you're trying to, hey, man, what are you doing? You're going to be okay and try to create this conversation, and now he's charging you full on and he's going to try to tackle you or whatever. So now, now you're in a physical fight, and you're, you're having to deal with that. So there's, it's completely – it's changing. It is an art. It's an art form. So it's becoming the artist of keeping the peace, that this, this master – <laughs> doing it. I would tell guys, I, I've seen guys that, uh, I remember one time they showed me a picture of a guy that they, they got into a scuffle with, you know, trying to arrest him. And they showed me a picture of him and he was beat up and they showed me, look at this guy. And I looked at him and said, yeah, I'm not, I'm not impressed. There was three of you, four of you that ended up taking this guy down. You want to impress me? Show me the guy that's cracked out, that's screaming and yelling and violence. And you're able to talk to him and get him into handcuffs and talk him into handcuffs. That's impressive to me. That's a master. Uh, I will say that, you know, the mat, the martial artists, they did a survey of law enforcement officers that studied martial arts on a regular basis. And they had actually way less uses of force than the average guy because you, you're not in fight or flight. You said something earlier that, you know, as a law enforcement officer, you're there to be in service, to be in control of things, and that what you've seen, and I'm, I'm sure this is, um, you know, most law enforcement officers go through this because it's a, a natural human experience, when under intense 
situations that we're often not in control of ourselves. And you know what you just said earlier in terms of you know the master would be the one in that moment who you know has a certain degree of of, of control and virtuosity in navigating his or her emotions, you know, under extraordinarily intense, likely often life or death moments. How do you teach someone to ask for help when they may not realize that they even need help? That in fact, the story that you shared where it may be seen as more like the bravado of of the male instinct to want to show like, Hey, look at, look at this cool thing that I did that ultimately didn't impress you. How do you inspire that person to seek a different way or to be curious about a different path and, and to demonstrate that same compassion that you set out from the beginning as a police officer, you know, wanting to have and display throughout your career like i would imagine it would be hard for it would be hard to ask for help i would imagine yeah well i think and this, just in listening to you, there's there's two things that that come up one is you asked um how do you how do you how do you teach that how do you teach people like you know about being compassionate with people and and treating people in that way and being that that way um and in regards to that and i'll go back to the, the officers needing assistance too. But I, re I recall that I was, uh, I was working with this guy and, and we weren't even necessarily that close, but we worked the same shift and we ended up being partners a lot and put us together. And then we, we got along okay, but you know, we ended up being partners a lot and we'd work together and he saw how I worked and, um, and he was a smart guy and we'd have different discussions. And I, I was always like, let's treat, you know, treat people nice, man, be compassionate, be loving to, to people. And he was like, ah, you know, I don't know, like, like maybe it comes off as you're going to come off as soft and then they're going to, you know, misread you and, and, you know, they, they, they might think they could take you or they're going to walk all over you. And I'm like, no, it's not saying that, you know, but just let's, let's start with some compassion and understanding. And I created this thing for when I was a police officer, I called it, you know, the game where I went out and everyone that I had contact with, I would try to have a positive connection with them. And even if they start out angry and whatever, but then I would try to win them over. And sometimes I, it worked and sometimes it, it didn't, you know, but I, I definitely more wins. And if I, if they ended up, if they like got me mad or I didn't have a positive interaction with them, then I would be like, dang it, you know, how could I have done that differently? Um, but typically, you know, and then I would, I'd win some of these guys over. And, and the guy that I was riding with, he was always kind of doubtful and questioning, the, you know, my, my way of being. And, and then I didn't see the guy. We, we were together for about a year off and on quite often. And then I saw him, like, I went off. He was working in detail. I came back, like, three years later. And he sees me walking through the department. And he runs out and catches me as I'm in the department. He goes, hey, hey, man, can I talk to you for a second? He goes, I just want to tell you, you were right. You were right about teaching people, you know, treating people right with love and compassion. You were right. <laughs> so I think that, you know, one way is that is, is that is showing it, you know, leading by example is, is so, is so key, you know, and being compassionate with people and then seeing how it overcomes and just continuing to, you know, plant these, these seeds. Um, 
and I do think that we can we can teach compassion. It can be. We're all human beings. It's just we're we're told that's weak. We, you know, we talked about this ideal man, and typically the ideal man, compassion and and loving. I don't know. That's really going to fit in the in the box, you know. With this tough archetype of a warrior, compassionate warrior. I mean, there's there's now. I think we're seeing that shift of this peaceful warrior, the compassionate warrior. It's interesting to me that you know, peace officer is that. That's what it actually is. When you're reading like all this, the 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 penal code, California penal code, will say the power, the peace officer powers, and peace officer this, and peace officer that. But then we come out with the police. And I, I really think it'd be great if on the back of our jackets it said peace officers and on the car it said peace officers. That it just gives that, that just the words are important and what that resonates. And then we're here to, you know, to serve in peace. And then, then, then peace officer, then compassion, understanding, love. I mean, what's really interesting is to, the word love to me. It's so it's one of the most, if not the most powerful word in the English language. <laughs> Yet when I when I taught my police program and I created Mindful Breathing and the Art of Keeping the Peace, I'd never heard any discussion about love in law enforcement. And I put it out there and we're gonna talk about love. We're gonna talk about and I, I wore um, a shirt that said, My religion is love. From and you know, it was Ama, a quote from Ama. And I did stuff like that all the time. I would just put it out there, breathe love. I had a shirt that said, breathe love. And I wore that. And to really teach it, and I, I, would, I would share briefly, because I think it's, it was so impactful. And some of the, you know, I had this outline of my class and I would teach it, but just like, I feel like, you know, any teacher that's worth anything, when they're teaching, if all of a sudden there'll be this moment and there's something you didn't think you were going to teach and then suddenly you're teaching it. Like, so it didn't happen in all my classes, but I remember the first time I, I taught this class, we just did some breath work, some deep breathing, and I could see these people went for it and I could see I was in their hearts. And we all sat down. It was really quiet. And then I did this a loving meditation that I had learned. And I just had them close their eyes and say, okay, I want you to think about people in your life that are close to you, that you love. People that just are right there can be your wife, your kids, your mom, your dad, people that are just, it's easy to love. It just goes, and then bring the love to yourself. And then the practice was then to continue to build that, that bubble, that circle of love. Like, you know, think, of, think of your friends, some coworkers, and continue to grow that. And how far you can get. And then I know a lot of times I would, I would bring up, you know, what about maybe there's a relative or somebody in your family you're not really getting along with, but you're, you know, you're fighting. But right now in this moment, can you give them love? And then what about the homeless guy that's lying there in his own piss and feces and passed out in the gutter? Can you send them some love? And without any judgment, just continue to grow that just to see how far you can put that out there. And I, I did that meditation with cops. <laughs> and then I come back to yourself and I love yourself. And then I had everybody you know, like look up after that. And there was tears in a lot of people's eyes. And there was some of the guys that just got their heads down. Now, like to me, that's, that's taught. That can be taught because it's not really, again, we're not teaching anything. We're just accessing our hearts. We're just accessing their, like, yeah, you know, we talked about sometimes that cops are humans. They're people. So it's it's 
some people are like, ah, you can't teach somebody to be loving or compassionate. I, I, I disagree. I say people are loving and compassionate. Let's just, you know, let's, let's, let's let it be okay. Let it be the norm instead of something weird. <laughs> yeah, that's so beautiful. I mean, you're a role model. You're, you are a teacher and you're helping shift, as you said, that archetypal ideal man to an expanded definition of what that means to also include compassion, empathy, love, and it's powerful coming from someone like you with the experiences that, that you've had. I want to say too, in, in fairness, that, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I was talking to my a buddy of mine today, I've had this anger side, you know, I'm re- yin yang is really like, and I, it really means a lot to me, the, the symbol and really getting into that symbol. But I guess there's all sides of this, right? There's this, the, there's this anger part of me that I, uh, I can get really angry and get triggered. And I still have to work on that. And I, I, it was interesting because I was like, wow, why was it? And I truly feel like when I was in uniform as a police officer and dealing with the public, rarely did I get angry. I mean, even stuff I got spit on in the, in the face, nah, didn't get angry. I've dealt with all kinds of puff and like just really be able to keep my cool when I was in uniform. But then there's times that maybe, you know, I get home and now I'm getting angry and upset and, um, having to learn and deal with my own stuff. So that like some the breathing techniques have helped me a lot to do that, you know, and that I, so I, I guess the thing is that as I just look, we all have our imperfections and we're all, um, I don't want to sit up here on my horse and, you know, like, oh, just be like me. And I'm like, well, maybe not, maybe in this way, you know, but I'm like, I'm still working myself. And the reason I, the reason I've taken yoga, the reason I've taken all these breath work, the reason I'm doing all these different practices is because, you know, homie needs it. Like I needed these practices to, to soothe myself, to can control myself and to, to, to learn like is from my own path. And then I'm like, Oh, okay, well, this is working for me. Maybe it'll work with others, you know? And so now I want to share what's been working for me. Thank you. We're all works in progress. I really appreciate you sharing so vulnerably and I, I feel you. So you're writing a book. That's right. One, is there anything about the book that you'd like to share? Uh, and two, is there anything that you're just itching to express that maybe the world doesn't yet know about you? Okay, yeah, great. So the, the book is called Peace Officer. It's going to be the title of it. We talked, touched a little bit on that before. Uh, so that's really what I stepped into. Um, and really what it is, it's about my life lessons that I've had through my life from different spirituality things, from my martial arts. So I'm going to tell stories, police stories and different things that occurred. And then what were the lessons of, from, from that? Uh, and so really sharing. So there's hopefully there's at the end, I mean, the last chapter is going to be just, just clearly the lessons that I've learned in life. Uh, and then, and several of them still learning <laughs> in progress. So that that's, that's it. And, and just, I really, I've wanted to write this book for a while. And now that I'm really in the process, and I'm diving into it. It's, it's really profound. It's also profound healing for me to go back and to look at these different lessons and, and learn about these things. Even, um, and just the one thing that, that came up is I was writing about martial arts when I was a kid and I was looking at the tenets of Taekwondo and, and one of them, there was courtesy and, and things like, and, and actually compassion. And then one of them was the indomitable spirit i was like wow i remember that now but i had forgotten about that like there's this spirit of us that is 
there's nothing that, that can take it down. There's a part of you that is indomitable, mm-hmm. that is just will always prevail. And and that was like, wow, that was such an amazing thing to to get, take on as a child and now to bring that back. So anyway, it's like a reflection in these these lessons uh, of my life. And I thought, I'd, you know, thank you for allowing me to share because part of it too is I feel like if I speak it, that I'm going to continue. But I, I'm really on this this path right now and, and kind of drawing back, not teaching as many workshops and uh, to take the time. Uh, to write this. And uh, having said that, if there's anyone out there that wants to connect with me uh, in regards to any training, I am open to that. I am a teacher. I still, part of my meditation when I was in law enforcement and still to this day is I meditate and pray and say, God, I'm your servant. So, <laughs> yeah, that's it. it just, that helps me to walk the walk. And when I was, as a police officer, when I did that and really felt that, then I didn't have to worry about the penal codes or, or not. I mean, the, like if the policy, oh, am I going to do something wrong with this guy? Or am I going to do this? I'm, I felt like I'm, I'm, I'm really, I gave my word today. Let me be a servant to God. So, you know, I'm out there, love, peace and happiness. And, and at the same time, obviously you've got to be ready. I would definitely say you've got, you know, that's why, like I said, martial artists that are the best police officers because they're, they're ready if they need to, but that allows you to be, you know, the, the calm, loving person. Um, and lastly, I guess the only thing that I'd like to say is I, I would like to go in, um, into prisons and teach yoga. I went to James Fox, the, the prison yoga project, and um, that's something that I don't know when, but I, I'm putting that out there too, that I'd like to, to do that in my future. Yeah, that's a wonderful program. Where could people find you? Um, so one is on, uh, it's funny, my, my daughter's calling right now, which is really funny because one is on Instagram. And it's E-Rock the World, <laughs> which I kind of laugh at because I made up that name when I was with my daughter. And it's E-R-O-K, D as in dog, A, duh, and then world. Uh, and uh, I got, you know, she's was a teenager and she got Instagram. I didn't know what it was, but like, I'm going to go on there and spy on you. And I made up this funny name. And anyway, but now I'm also trying to live into it, traveling and rocking the world. <laughs> so that's one way. Um, and... Even, you know, I'm, and people wanted to email me at eric, E-R-I-K, dot milosevic at gmail.com. That's cool, too. Uh, I do have a, uh, a, um, a website that's called awokenwarriors.com. Um, it's actually being built and refab right now. So if you went on there right now, you might not be able to find it. But hopefully it'll be up by the time this goes out. And But, yeah, love to hear from people. And, um yeah, it's just uh, love to everyone, everyone listening, sending you a little love. Love to everyone. I look forward to reading your book and the world needs it. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Derek. Thank you to our entire team behind the scenes at Glow. I'm so grateful for your care and commitment to serving our members around the world. Thank you to our teachers for so beautifully sharing your gifts and talents. I'm also grateful to our lovely community of GLOW members. You've supported us since 2008, and because of you, we get to continue to do the work we love. It's the combined support of our team, our teachers, and our community that grants me the privilege to continue to bring you the GLOW podcast. Thank you to Lee Schneider at Red Cub Agency for production support, and the beautiful music you're hearing now is by Carrie Rodriguez and her husband, Luke Jacobs. And remember, take care of yourself because our world needs you. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. You can find The Glow Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or glo.com slash podcast, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
I'm Derek Mills.